So the reason I chose this verse today was because we've we've been uh, kind of taking our time going through the book of uh, the Gospel of Luke, and up until this point, we're in chapter four, verse twenty-two. Up until this point, everything is going great for Jesus. I mean, we got four chapters of Jesus is awesome and he's doing good, and then he comes to to the synagogue and. He preaches the best message ever. I am the Messiah. I have come to bring salvation to you. And today, you get the, you get the news first. Yay. Verse 22 says, All spoke well of him and were amazed at his gracious words. What a, what a message. What a, what a sermon today. That was so incredible. I was thinking, this is Jesus' first sermon. I don't know. You know, it's like, your first sermon. You're like, everybody is really impressed with me. At the gracious words, they came from his lips. And they said, isn't this Joseph's son? They asked. And Jesus said to him, to them, surely you will quote this proverb to me. Physician, heal yourself. And you will tell me. Do hear in your, in your hometown what we have heard that you did in Capernaum. He was talking about the, the, all the miracles he was, had done there. Truly, I tell you, he continued, no prophet is accepted in his own hometown. We'll read a little bit more in a minute, but I'm like, here's Jesus, best message ever. People are going, you're awesome. But he knew the heart of man. And he was saying, I know you're thinking I'm pretty good here, but I know it's in your heart. You're thinking this message is for someone else. This isn't for me, because I don't need that. Just what Maureen was saying. They were like, I'm doing good. I'm sitting here, and I'm glad you came, and I'm glad you brought that message. But I don't really need salvation, because I'm doing good already. That's what's happening here. <laughs> because when he says, uh, isn't this Joseph's son? That's a, it's the, the first tear. It's like, um, you know, you're just like me. Now, now, as I was meditating on this, I was thinking, Jesus, and we have to know this as Christians, Jesus is totally other. Though he appears like us, and he was tested like us, and he feels like us, he's not us. He is in a category of his own. And, of course, we're growing to be like him, but I, I was just thinking, a lot of times we want to lower Jesus down to our level so that it makes us safe instead of leaving him where he is so we can be living dangerously. Okay, and then they said, okay, Joseph's son, one lower. And then he says, surely you'll quote this proverb, physician, heal yourself, which is basically... I don't need healing. You do. <laughs> They're taking it one more level. They're like, uh, show me. You heal yourself first, and then you can talk to me. So they're lowering it even for, further down. And then he says, do here in your hometown what we heard you do in Capernaum. We just want to see tricks. We want to see some miracles. If you're really who you say you are, show us some miracles. Do you know that no one ever comes to Jesus because they see a miracle? Miracles confirm. Now, 
Uh, you know, Jesus, did Jesus do a lot of miracles? I mean, how many miracles did Jesus do on earth? I don't know. They, they're un, uncountable. And yet they're like, we should crucify that guy. They saw it in their hometown. They saw it. But they did, but they, they as Maureen said, they had pride and they didn't exercise their faith. And so they couldn't really see him. Um, th- this week, uh, I-, I was invited to speak at Wilcox to their little Christian group. And I wanted to bring them a message, but I never met them. But I, I kept thinking about this verse, and I want you guys to consider this. I wanted to, I wanted to give them a gift of a verse. And this is the verse. Jesus said, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. You're like, what? Because people come in the name of the Lord and you don't see them because you don't say, God has sent them to me. Instead, when we evaluate each other, don't we try to at least even ourselves up? Or how about one better? We're, we're all, the, yeah, <laughs> how about really awesome? <laughs> I will confess my sins shortly about that. But that's what they were doing to Jesus. And they couldn't get it. And that's what we can do to Jesus. Because Jesus is speaking to us all the time, right? He's giving us direction. He's saying, hey, come this way. Do this. Oh, don't do that. And we're like, I think I know better than Jesus. I was thinking about something that, that someone said to me um, not, not long ago. They said, I, I'm not the same kind of Christian as you are. That's a horrible statement. Because there's only one kind of Christian. <laughs> <laughs> that's not to reflect poorly on that person, but it's, it's like we do that to ourselves. We're like, if, if we think a certain way, then we're this certain kind of Christian. Another Christian thinks another certain way. There's only one truth and one Jesus. And what these guys were doing was dividing Jesus. <laughs> They're like, we like the Jesus that comes with the good message. But I'm not sure about this guy. Let me read a little bit about the rest of the story. I I cut out some verses, but it says, So all the people in the synagogue were furious when he said this. And they got up, and they drove him out of town. And they took him to the brow of a hill on which the town was built in order to throw him off a cliff. Wow, my first message. (laughs) One day they're going, dude, good message. Next, five minutes later, off the hill, (laughs) off you go. But I love verse 30. But he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. (laughs) You know, they're like, okay, you got him, you got him, you got him. (laughs) Jesus out the back door. I was like, whew, man, those guys are tough. You know, he goes back a year and a half later. (laughs) And I'm sure they were thinking, I thought we got. I thought we threw this guy off the hill. Because <laughs> uh, anyway, isn't this a great story? It's a great story because it illustrates we don't want to hear bad news, 
And we even want to justify it. And I, and I even like on our, in our sacred reading today, we're like, wash your hands, you sinners, purify your hearts. Isn't the grace of God awesome? No, wash your hands. <laughs> purify your hearts. <laughs> we're not talking grace here. We understand grace of God, but he's giving us instruction. He's saying, physicians, <laughs> you know, he's saying, go ahead. You can do this. That's how I read it, right? How many know you're saved if you're saved, if you know you're saved? Everybody, everybody? Okay, good. Do you still need to wash your hands? Do you get muddy and dirty in the world? When, you, when it says, you know, you've, you've, you're double-minded and you've got mixed loyalties, does your heart get convicted when you read that and go, you're right. What do I have to do to change that? Instead of, you're like, Boy, I'm sure glad the grace of God is with me. <laughs> Thank God I got the grace of God. No, 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 no. <laughs> you get on your knees. It says it right here. It says, here, let me read this verse one more time, the parts we skipped over. We got our black highlighter out. Let there be tears for what you have done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter, gloom. Instead of joy. What Jesus was addressing with these guys is are you willing to repent? Are you willing to say to yourself, and we saw it last week, are you willing to say, I am blind? I am destitute. I am spiritually dead. Because when you do that, then the Savior comes. Now, you're, you know, we, we have this position where it's like the Savior has come to us, so therefore I'm good. But I still know that I get convicted all the time, all the time. Do you guys get convicted? When was the last time you repented with tears? Uh-oh. <laughs> okay, James, forget it. It's been a little while. Now we're saying, well, because I don't sin that bad anymore. So I don't need tears. I only sin to the point where I feel a little uncomfortable that the Holy Spirit is now talking to me. It's like, why are you telling me this? I'm feeling a little uncomfortable now. But if we were really connected to what God was doing, we'd probably fall on our knees and cry a little bit. When we see... Our luxury, let's say, since we're talking about it, in light of people that are devastated by an earthquake and we're not immediately moved. I must do something. I must begin to pray. I must find some money. I got to send it over there. I've got, I've, I've got to have my heart break because when, when you see somebody pulling a picture of someone pulling a dead child out of a rubble and you're like, man, that's bad over there. Let me get my socks feeling a little chilly this morning. I think our faith is supposed to be connected to our emotions in a deeper way. And we haven't exercised it because we're afraid of emotion at that level. I am. I'm a happy guy. I like laughter and joy instead of gloom. <laughs> and sadness. I'm that guy. 
Okay. Oh, I did put at the bottom of your sacred reading. If you haven't given to the earthquake relief, I, I get messages from our Foursquare churches, our denominations churches that are in Turkey. Some of them have been destroyed, but they're busy working with people in the in their local villages. And it's like if you haven't given yet, uh, you can I, you can give. Or there's Samaritan's Birth, or there's World. Vi- I mean, there's a million places to give. But the first thing I did when I saw it was I'm going to go send some money because. I know that that's one of the resources that they'll need. And then I prayed, and then I stopped watching those pictures because they really did break my heart. And I want to have laughter and no sadness, please. Okay, where was I? So Jesus was there. I'm not going to spend a lot of time. This, this is like 16-part message, just this one little thing right here in my, in my mind. So I was just thinking, if Jesus showed up today... How many of us, like he, he comes, I'm like, I got a guest speaker. <laughs> don't, don't tell him your name, just Joseph's son. And it's like, I got a, my, my friend Joe's got a son, and he wants to talk to us today. And he comes and he says, um, let, me, let me explain Matthew 24 to you, <laughs> the last days, and how I'm coming again. <laughs> and he goes, today, this is fulfilled in your, in your hearing, you're about ready to be raptured. And we're like, would that be awesome? Would we all applaud? I hope so. <laughs> anyway, I think that would, that would be good. But what if he came and he said, you're not ready? What would you say? What do I have to do? <laughs> what do I have to do to be ready? Okay. All right. There's only one thing that keeps us from being with Jesus or growing in Jesus, and that's our spiritual pride. <clears throat> it's pride. Right? That's what these guys had. They said, you know what? I heard this great message. How many have ever been to church and you heard a great message and you thought, man, I wish my wife was here to hear that. This is really for her. <laughs> He's like, I wish my kids were here. I wish my coworker would hear this message. <laughs> How many have ever done that? And you missed that the message was for you. <laughs> ah, I hate that. That's called spiritual pride, (laughs) is when you think it's for someone else. It's not. Because if you can't find yourself in each and every repentance, then you're probably not aware of each and every repentance. Uh, Okay. If I said, is there anyone you have to forgive today? You might have one person there, right? And the Bible commands us to forgive. Is there anybody that you have not forgiven in your life? It commands you. Spiritual pride says, no, I will do everything except this because I'm proud. <laughs> wash your hands. Wash your hands. Okay. Uh, you, unless we say to ourselves, I am blind, I am destitute, and I need Jesus as my Savior all in, we're going to miss what he's really trying to do in our life. Okay. Here, um, I, I wrote down some questions that I have um, for myself. How do I know if I have spiritual pride? You ready? You're all thinking, I don't have any spiritual pride. <laughs> Good, I'm glad this message is for my husband. <laughs> do you actually repent often? 
Okay, so I'm going to tell you one of my repentances this week. You ready? Okay. I still have been having problems. Sorry, people that are online, if this is you. Okay, well, I actually repented. I'm going to give you the good side. I have repented. But when I see somebody driving alone in their car with a mask, yeah, you know, I used to be mad at bad drivers, you know, and then I'd be, you know, I mean, I used to have all kinds of madness. Anybody ever, like, Judge another person? Has anybody judged another person here? Okay, so I realized that I was judging people who wear masks in their cars alone. And I've gone through all this, and then the Lord spoke to me and said, you need to repent about that. And I'm like, what? I don't wear a mask. I am perfect. I am a perfect non-mask wearer. I am so much better than those mask wearers especially those that ride alone with masks, the ultimate bad mask wearer. And the Lord said, you should repent of that. I'm like, why? He goes, do you know what's happening in their heart? No. Maybe they're afraid. Why haven't you prayed for them that God would deliver them from their fear? Oh, I don't know. I was too busy judging them. He goes, what if they're just comfortable that way? I don't know. Too busy judging them. <laughs> you know, I've got, you know, he could go down the list, but I got it right after a couple. You know, it's like, you're right. And so now instead of judging the mask square, I'm like, Lord, thank you. You give me an opportunity to pray for someone. Okay. So did I repent often? I actually do, but I still need more. If you find that you're not repenting often, that means you're probably not reflecting with the Lord often. Okay, do you think that you're more spiritual than others? Totally. Um, (laughs) That means you have spiritual pride. Do you think that you are smarter? Better? A better driver? Check. Um, Do you look down on others? I love the story of the Pharisee, right? Boy, I'm glad I'm not like that guy. And then everybody judges the Pharisee. Boy, I'm glad I'm not like the Pharisee. Oh, no, I'm that guy. Okay, next, do you look down on others? Um, Do you pray for those who are less fortunate than you? Uh, Do you give often of your resources? Do you serve others? Okay, those are, that's my quick list. You don't have to write them down. Get your own list. Okay, last but not least, I wanted us to spend some time because I wanted us to reflect, but I want to, I want to give you the rest of the story. So Jesus tells two stories. He says, a prophet is without honor in his own country. And then he names these two stories, and I'm going to read them for you. The first one is the story of the, the widow at Zarephath. So here's the, here's the story. Elijah, he's, he's, he's been living in a cave, living next to a brook. Uh, it's been a famine in the land. Crows have been feeding him. It's pretty cool, right? He's got water. He's got crows feeding him. Life is good. The brook dries up. He starts complaining. 
to God. The crows stopped showing up. He goes, I'm hungry. And he says, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go to this heathen place, and I want you to talk to this widow, and she's going to feed you. And so he goes to the widow, and I'll read the story. It's very short. <clears throat> and you'll get, you get, you'll get the idea. So sometimes later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah and said, Go at once to Zarephath in the, in the region of Sidon. And stay there. So this is a total godless place. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath. When he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Would you bring me a little water in a jar so that I might have something to drink? And she was going to get it. And he called, And bring me a piece of bread. And surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread. Only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that I might eat and die. So last what she had. Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said. But first make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me. And then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. The jar of flour will not be used up, and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. Okay. Jesus is saying, <laughs> you have to put your faith in me. He's telling, they all knew the story. You guys probably haven't read it in a little while. They all knew the story, and that is she had the last of it. And somebody came, the prophet came and said, give it to me. And she had a choice to make. Am I going to do what God is asking me to do? Second one. And he says, he talks about Naaman. This is 2 Kings 5. He was a commander of an army of Aram. Aram were really bad guys. Okay? And now, now the people in the synagogue at the time are going, why are you talking this way? Because this is what he'd said. <clears throat> um, this is what Jesus... Jesus I, I didn't read the rest of it. The reason they got... They got furious at him was, Truly, I tell you, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. I assure you, there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time when the sky was shut up for three and a half years. Yet Elijah was not sent to them, but to the widow. And there was also in Israel uh, uh, lots of people with leprosy in the time of Elijah, yet not one of them was cleansed, only Naaman the Syrian. Well, you guys probably know the Naaman. The, the, I'll, I'll give you the very shortened version. Naaman was a, a, a head of an army of a godless place. He came down with, with Israel, and he kept raiding all the towns of Israel, and, one, and they would always bring, you know, bring slaves back with them. And one of the slave girls was attending his wife. And she goes, you know, there's a guy in Israel that can heal you, uh, talking about Elisha. And he goes, I'm, I'm not going to do that. 
But eventually he does, and he takes, it, 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 he took an enormous amount of money with him, uh, like, I forget, six talents of gold, which that's like a lot, right? And he's like, I'm going to buy my way. Because, see, when you're desperate, you'll do anything, right? <laughs> and that's what Jesus is saying. These people were desperate, and when they exercised their faith in the Lord, in their desperation, God met them. And he was really bringing an indictment against the people there, is that you're not desperate enough to see who I am. You have not said, blessed is he who's come in the name of the Lord. Okay. little practice here. So this week... Why don't you go ahead and take this James chapter 4, verse 8 and 10 and say, do I got to wash my hands of anything? Do I have spiritual pride because I feel like I am so... There's nothing the Holy Spirit can convict me of this week. When all I have to do is walk like two minutes. I'll walk out there and the Lord will convict my heart and say, why are you thinking this way? Why are you acting this way? Right when I root for the Phil, for Philadelphia, the Eagles today, I am from Philadelphia. Which isn't that? Aren't you proud of me now? No, no, it's not my spiritual pride. And and if they win, um, then I will I, I will put it in the face of whoever it was rooted against my team, because that's what we do. Because if they win, I am a better person, and you will like me more. Anyway, and now I repent of that. <laughs> okay, so I want us to repent. Uh, spend a little time letting God weed out the spiritual pride in us, breaking it down. Because I'm telling you, this is what I, I believe, and I know that Leonard will agree with me. There's a verse in the Bible that says, if you humble yourself <laughs> and turn from your w- wicked ways, and turn to God and pray, I will heal your land. James was talking to the church, not because he was, you know, the grace of God wasn't working there, was because he wanted the impact of the church to go far and wide. As Leonard said, those commercials aren't going to go very far if we don't pray. (laughs) But we have to be in a posture of saying, Lord, I still need you desperately, desperately every day. Jesus' name. All right. So this is how I want us to end. I'm going to pray, and uh, I, I will address you guys. Thanks for joining us online this uh, today, and um, we're going to spend a couple minutes. I have a song that uh, I'm listening to lately that I just want us to sit with the Lord and say, Lord, if if it's me, <laughs> come and get me, and uh, give us a chance to put into practice what. God has for us this morning. So in Jesus' name, Lord, thank you for coming. Thank you for showing us how desperately we do need you. Don't let our pride keep us from coming close to you so that you can come close to us. In Jesus' name, amen.